0: family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, We become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together.
1: As a pastor, there are times when I observe uh, what happens in so many of your lives, and in this season of Lent, I'm asking different individuals to come forward and share one of those 22 questions that John Wesley asked, is Christ real to you? As a way of hoping that you would hear in a friend named Howie Batson who said, it's good to hear the same gospel message but with different voices. And so today I'm going to ask that Avery Handlin come forward. And are you going to go with, yep, so Melody Limer is her good friend. Their third partner in crime who's not with them is Landry Webb. Um, I tease them a lot but I call them every Sunday the other daughters I would gladly adopt in a heartbeat Uh, these are mature beautiful young women of faith Um, in fact of the 27 people who showed up before 8 o'clock for ashes on Ash Wednesday to three of them they showed up together as a group they support each other in Christ they walk together in Christ and so um, I asked them How's Christ real to you? And just posed it to the three of them and said, one of your voices needs to come forward to encourage our hearts. And so it's Avery today. Avery, how's Christ real to you?
0: Hello, my name is Avery. Um, So my whole life, Christ has made himself known and present as a source of peace and comfort to me. But there is a special sort of spiritual passion, however, that comes from going through tribulation, having God find you in the midst of it, having him deliver you, and then choosing to fully commit to him and pursuing him in everything that you do. I have gone through some pretty big challenges, from life-changing health issues to parental loss. Throughout those times in my life, I tried for years to be strong on my own. I tried to tell myself that I should never cry, that I should never let myself feel upset for too long, and fear of feeling weak. But God kept reminding me of various verses in the Bible that speak about Jesus being made strong in our weakness, that we can rejoice in our weakness because it is there that he can reveal his strength to us. So I learned to rest in the Lord's strength, rather than relying on my own fleeting strength. I learned that I can lean into him as my rock and my foundation, and that in him I can fully find my identity. I have been able to walk with a godly confidence throughout my adolescent years and knowing that my identity rests on the fact that I am a daughter of the King, rather than relying on an identity that is based off of temporarily valued things within our culture. And finally, it is through Christ that I have learned to be a disciple. His Spirit has convicted me in many ways regarding how to treat others, how to bear the fruit of the Spirit, how to represent the light of Christ, and how to reflect Him and His goodness in everything I say towards others, everything I think towards others, and everything I do for others. There is still so much I can improve upon, but as one of my friends say, we are all God's work in progress. How amazing is it that we have a Father that loves us enough to correct us through his word and through his spirit so that we may forever continue to grow in his truth and in his goodness. We have a perfect, sovereign, and omniscient Father who loves us, who thinks of us, and has a plan for us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, 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 don't go anywhere. Come to the very middle, you two. This is, this is not the church of tomorrow. This is the church of today. Amen. How many of you think you could have said that when you were a senior in high school? I'm glad social media doesn't exist. You don't know what I did when I was a senior in high school. And some of you are in the same boat. I know because you're doing this, right? I want to say... That one of the things we need to do as a community of faith is to lift up, to encourage, and to celebrate the goodness of the grace of Christ when we see it. And I want to say in front of this gathered community, I see in you and in your buddy Landry, I see the reflection of Christ. And I love the way in which you all stand boldly for the faith and live out of last week's text so clearly You're always prepared to share who Christ is to you, but you do it with gentleness, and you do it with respect. And I also want y'all to know that these are instrumentalists that joined the choir yesterday, and they'll be instrumentalists going to the choir today, so that's amazing too. You're not going anywhere yet. No, 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 you're not going anywhere yet. Um, I want you to help me say a blessing over these beautiful young women. So as you're comfortable, I invite you to extend your hands towards them, and I'm going to split you up, let you hold hands together, move very forward right here, because you're the center part of this. I'm going to be right behind you, okay? Oh God, I'm so amazed at what I see in Avery and Landry and in Melody, sisters of the faith, and I'm so mindful that when we look at the scriptures, it was the women who came early on the first day to discover Jesus In his body that he was resurrected I give you thanks that this church has been a place where they have been able to cultivate those relationships to grow deep in your word and find places of service Mm -hmm. I give you thanks so much that our hearts are encouraged and pray your Holy Spirit's blessing around them that you would help to protect them from all that is an evil influence in this world that you would help your spirit to cultivating them the characteristics and values that they are living into and together as a community of faith, we're just so grateful that they are our sisters in the faith. Help them to go forth with confidence. And thank you for Avery's witness this day that reminds us we are your children. Let we pray for them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all both. Oh, I'm just ready to charge the gates of hell with an empty bucket and an empty squirt gun now. It's um it's just encouraging, isn't it? It's just encouraging to know that you you're in a community of faith that we're, that when we think about what it is on earth that bring it to bear in heaven. And so this day's text, Paul is giving us a distinct emphasis about what does it mean to be ambassadors? So we were talking yesterday that as uh, the three young women came and they went to high school They were one of very few that had the sign of the cross on their head and people would say What's that? And so they were able to with gentleness and respect be ambassadors for the kingdom Some of you know that as I've helped my uh, mom move to what she calls her vacation home And if she's listened this morning, I'm gonna get in so much trouble because they, she moved out of the home she was on, uh, in on the golf course, which was a really nice house, that she and dad had both accumulated things for years, and we, we went through things, and she's in her vacation home now, um, but it was downsizing. Everybody went through downsizing, and so we went through boxes and boxes, and mom and dad kept everything, and when they were in Bolivia as missionaries, uh, they were invited to all kinds of dinners, and... The diplomats of all the areas would almost have a competition in what their dinner parties would look like. And Dad was the pastor of the English speaking congregation in La Paz, Bolivia, and also was the uh, headmaster of the uh, school there at the Institute Americana La Paz. And so they were invited a lot. And we opened up this box, and they had all of these invitations from the ambassadors from all the different countries all these invitations that were made. I think this is the spirit that that God's wanting to write in your heart and mind about how we can be invited into God's living invitation to others. But friends, what we really need to understand is that there are some ways in which in the Western culture in which we live, we have slipped into our nomenclature or our words that are a little bit unhealthy. Uh, that's sometimes we'll say, well, that's not my Jesus, right? And we almost personalize it. So you need to have a personalized faith, but you can never privatize your faith in Christ. You need a personal relationship, but it should never be a private relationship. You see, the gospel doesn't end with our personal salvation. It's just the beginning of us stepping into a place of being ambassadors and being witnesses for Christ. But what's really important to remember is that God desires to transform in us so that God might transform through us. And so there's two challenges that we face in the church. The first is we over-privatize faith where it's not involved in communal acts. That's why I wanted these women to speak this morning. They get it. They're in the fight of the faith against the world together. They encourage each other. Did you see what they did when it came to prayer time? They joined hands, right? They know the importance of friendship and community. Your faith in Christ must be personal, but it cannot be privatized. But the other side of that is that too often, without stepping into the challenge of a life of discipleship, where there's a personal relationship, we go through all of the motions and functions without understanding the power and the substance of the faith that's below the surface. So you and I need to focus on two words to God, bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven this day with this text. And those two words are reconciliation and ambassadors. Reconciliation is not what we humanly accomplish, but what we embrace. It's something that is done for us, that can be done in us, so that it can be done through us. Here's the way Martin Luther said it in the 1400s. Christ took our sins and the sins of the whole world, as well as the Father's wrath on his shoulders, and he's drowned them both in himself, so that we are thereby reconciled to God and become completely righteous. Now, we're going to unpack the word righteous and righteousness in a minute. But the whole concept that Paul is making here is that you and I, as we have been reconciled to Christ, are ambassadors for their reconciliation. We are ambassadors, people who make the claim for and bring together and represent a different type of thing to someone who doesn't know. But it's hard to be an ambassador for something that's not happened in your life, isn't it? So the question that Lynch should bring to us in the practices of discipline is this. How is Christ real to each of us? And how are we being reconciled to Christ? Now, some of you will understand this example, but two of you in the front row and several that are out there that I see will have no clue what I'm talking about, but raise your hand if you can remember that the most amazing thing in technology was the Polaroid one-step camera, right? Raise your hand, remember? Now, some of you young folk are going to be baffled at this, but for a lot of us, the most amazing thing was this little box came out You couldn't zoom, right? You couldn't do anything with it, right? You couldn't do it. But it used to be that when you had this thing called a camera, it wasn't on your phone. In fact, what's going to be making a comeback based on what happened with AT&T this week is this most marvelous new connection is they've discovered a phone you can mount on the wall that's got a cord to it, and it never fails, and you don't ever lose your phone. (laughs) You just follow the cord, right? So this camera would take a picture and after you snapped the picture, it would go right? And out would come the little square photo. Now, if you were really—I mean, now there was even a class system in, in, in the in the Polaroids and the Kodaks, right? Because if you were if you were really into technology, you got the one that you didn't have to peel off. But if you were sort of a you know Walmart version of that, you had to get the one that you had to wait a few times and then peel it off. But then you had to do, how many of you remember doing, yeah, I see. doing this, getting the picture ready, just getting the picture ready, right? My mom took a picture like this of the first truck that I ever had, a 1976 GMC with glass packs in Wichita Falls, Texas. She was the emergency room supervising nurse. She put it on the bulletin board with a thumbtack and the note that said, this is my son's truck. Stop it anytime you want, Ellen Palmer. Now that may not seem funny until you hear this. She put it where all the notes were to the police officers (laughs) because what would happen is they would take pictures with the Polaroid one steps and the officers would go by before there was digital technology before they had computers in their cars and they would go by and see who's come in with a gunshot or a problem who may be associated with something that happened over on 9th street. So this picture, this snapshot that we get, this cultivating process, is a reminder to us that we are called to be in process for God. That it's both an instantaneous moment of awareness when we turn to God, but it's an ongoing process. It is a both and. And so it's not just when were you reconciled or made right with God through your confession, through your response to Christ, but how are you reconciled to Christ now? How are you doing in the process of being reconciled? How are you doing in bringing your habits and your behaviors into the presence of God, listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the challenge of your community group, to live the image of Christ in which you are reconciled? It's not just an event that happened. It is a both-and, both a moment in which we can say we have turned our lives to Christ and we are continuing to live in Christ. So what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. This idea that there's a process. And there's an ongoing process as we grow in Christ. So you are to be reconciled. And in the process of continuing to be reconciled to Christ so that you can be an ambassador, one who speaks on behalf of, and in the biblical imagery in the Greek here, it would be very clear. There was no real sense of democracy. These were not appointed positions by elected officials. An ambassador, quite literally, was one who was sent on behalf of the king. You're sent on behalf of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one before whom every knee shall abound, every tongue confess, and you are sent forth into the world to be an ambassador. That's who you are. That's who we are. And when we celebrate the faith, we celebrate that we are ambassadors. So we are called to be reconciled for the purpose of that relationship with Christ, that what God has done for us, he does in us, and then he does through us. Then what he does through us puts us in the mode of being an ambassador. An ambassador for what? That others would be reconciled. And then Paul puts a phrase at the very end of this passage in which he says that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So what does it mean to be the righteousness of God? To move the process of being reconciled, Participating in reconciliation being an ambassador for reconciliation that the end point would be that we might become the righteousness of God The righteousness of God is being right with God And so if we listen to Paul in Romans chapter 5 We quite literally can unpack what it means to be in the righteousness of God And I encourage you with three concepts that would be Kingdom focused values the first kingdom focused value that helps you be in that right relationship To be made right with god and this is after you've made the surrender of your life this is making the assumption that you have surrendered your life that you've made the confession of your sin the profession of your faith and you are growing in the faith the first king of value is the kingdom of value of humility c.s lewis said humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. To be in the righteousness of God, we have to live into that kingdom value of humility. Paul echoes that in Philippians chapter 2 as well as when he says, do not think more of yourself. Think of others more than yourself. Have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. That though he was equal, equal with God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself he emptied himself kino is the word there in other words being fully divine and fully human he became humble he served to be right with god to be his righteousness is to have the kingdom value of humility then you need the kingdom value of grace it's amazing to me that so often at times especially within our world People demand grace that they do not offer to others. I think it's going to get worse and worse the closer we get to November. It's already getting ugly and we're not even there. Grace, the old hymn says it this way grace, grace, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Or the other hand, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our loss. Grace is God's forgiveness. If we look for the basic, basic definition of how grace is lived out, well, we just look to Scripture like we have the past couple of weeks. And we look at Romans chapter 5. And Paul tells us exactly what does grace look like. Paul says this, Therefore Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Grace is something you receive and something in which you stand. It is the unmerited favor and forgiveness of God. You need the kingdom value of humility, thinking less of yourself You need the kingdom value of grace knowing it is something that is received as a gift from God that is extended through you into the world. And you need the kingdom value of hope. Of hope. Paul goes on in this chapter and he says this, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you think about it, friends there's something that the world can never take away from you. Hope. As Christians, it's a singular value that we cling to that no matter what happens, no matter what we cannot explain, if you'll think of last week from Woody's witness, what he does not know and what he does know. You think of the witness today as how grace is so clear, how God's love is demonstrated so clearly. Those are grounded in hope. And hope never disappoints because God has poured his love into us. So friends, as we journey in this season of Lent, as we think about how do we bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, I want to end where I started. What if your life were a living invitation to others in the world to that great banquet feast that God is setting and preparing? What if God is placing people in your path and in your journey and you don't know really what to do? Well, here is a place where you can begin. You may not feel equipped to know what to say. You may not feel equipped to know how to answer questions, and that's okay. But can you feel a sense of being equipped To be able to say, I invite you to come and to sit with me in church. I invite you to come to this small group where we hear what God is doing. You can make that simple invitation and you could be the invitation. As I remember early growing up, it was told to me, remember that you may be the only sermon that some people hear. You may only be the Bible some people read. Your life in grace, having been reconciled to God, is not the ending point. It's just the beginning. Just the beginning. And this grace is lived out through you. The grace in which you now stand. Let's pray together. God, would you help us to recognize all the ways that you have surrounded our lives with people and circumstances that have been fueled by your Holy Spirit and your grace to help us grow deeper in love with you. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have always offered us. Thank you for the witness that Avery and Melody and Landry give to us about what friendship looks like. Thank you, God, for a community of faith. And as we move through this season of Lent and we have these odd sort of adjustments and have to be adaptable, God, help us focus how beautiful it is this day that nothing that we're doing right now has changed our belief that we're called to worship you. Nothing in these circumstances have changed that we're going to go over packing. We're we're packing meals for folks that we'll never see. We're, We're answering the call that you give to us to feed the hungry. God, we give you thanks that across this campus in our contemporary worship, our our youth are stepping forward and providing leadership and bringing the message. And that's just a beautiful way in which, God, we understand we are still all in a process of being reconciled to you. So thank you for your grace because all of it's amazing. Help us go now into the world so that we might be a living invitation to your love, to a world that is broken, hurting, and lonely. Give us courage, O God, to follow where you lead, to go where you send, to stand where you invite us, and to simply say, this is what I know of the grace and love of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we offer this prayer. And all of God's people said,